We'll now read together Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. Romans 8, verses 1 to 11. That's on page 944. This, Lord's, uh, this passage that brings together all the, the sacrifices and their meaning as we see them in Christ. Special focus on verses 3 and 4. We'll read together Romans 8, verses 1 to 11. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Brothers and sisters, beloved church of our Lord Jesus Christ, we just went through the first seven chapters of Leviticus and we looked at each of the different sacrifices one by one. We ended Leviticus 5 with the, and 6 with the guilt offering. Today we need to see them all together and to do that we first need to understand the parts and you can think to yourself as we we bring it all together. You can ask yourself, do you know what each of the different sacrifices referred to, what it, what it spoke, what promise it gave to us that was fulfilled in Christ? So I say the name and you say in your head what the sacrifice was promising, what it was pointing to. So Leviticus 1 was the burnt offering. It was a promise of a a desire to completely dedicate your life to the Lord. Then Leviticus 2 talked about the grain offering. This was another consecration offering, giving the daily bread, the ordinary grain to the Lord to show that every part of your life was dedicated to Him. The peace offering. Leviticus 3, that was the one that 
that promise, the, the fellowship of peace with God, that, that meal that, that God was present at. And the sin offering, it's the one everybody knows, the promise of the atonement, the forgiveness of all our sins. And then the guilt offering, the promise that our debts to God and our neighbor are satisfied so that we can live in a relationship once again. Knowing the meaning of each of the Old Testament sacrifices is the first step. You may have noticed already how it opens up a lot of the scriptures so you can understand exactly what the Lord is saying in each of those chapters. And yet to fully understand that the meaning of each of the Old Testament sacrifices, we also need to understand them in their, their context. You need to understand them when they are all put together. What was the message that God was giving to his church? When it comes to the Old Testament sacrifices, the sum is greater than the parts. And so we read Leviticus 8 about the ordination, the consecration of the priests. We read that together so that we could have an example of how the Lord called upon the people to offer up several sacrifices, not just one. He joined them together. So you can see in Leviticus 8 verse 14 the mention of the sin offering. But since faith in God consists of more than than just the forgiveness of our sins, the Lord instructed Moses to also offer up the burnt offering, Leviticus 8, verse 18. Together with the grain offering that comes a little later, he talks about the unleavened bread. And then finally, the ordination offering, we read about that, the blood of which was used to consecrate Aaron and his sons, Leviticus 8, verse 30, and the meat of which was boiled and eaten with the bread in the form of a peace offering. And so we see the order, the sin offering, the sin or the guilt offering, the burnt, the grain offering, and then the peace offering. And the order of the sacrifices is the same of that which was followed when the temple was consecrated. They did it the same. Sin first, then consecration, and then peace. And then you see that on the Day of Atonement. And you see that when the Nazarites completed their vow. You see it on all the different feast days, the same order. And when we look to the New Testament, we see that, that order again in the summary of Christ's work that we find in the book of Romans and that we find in other letters as well. And the order that Jesus Christ followed reveals the message that there is peace with God. We have access to God through Jesus Christ. And I preach to you this gospel. Christ fulfills all the Old Testament sacrifices to give us access to God. And we'll see that this gift comes with clear instructions, comes with free activation, and comes with unlimited calling. Ever since the fall into sin, and we, we even noticed that as we were reading the Ten Commandments, we perceived this Ever since the fall into sin, that relationship between the holy, holy, holy God and his covenant people became a long-distance relationship. Although the holy God still wanted to live in a relationship with the people that he made to worship him, 
People were too rebellious and, and sinful to have God walk among them as he did in paradise. And so in this context, the Lord revealed the five sacrifices. And he did that to show his people how they could communicate with him again. How they could live in a joyful, peaceful relationship with him. And so already in the Old Testament, they were able to live in, in fellowship with the Lord in the Old Covenant. It was a temporary means of communication. It was pointing to a, a, a more complete and a deeper level of living in the presence of God. In this way, the instructions concerning the sacrifices could be compared to the instruction manual about a special new communication device that would soon surpass the telephone. And as such a manual might do, the Lord first outlined how we need to have this communication with him by making it clear in the Old Testament already that without the sacrifices, priests could not be ordained. Meeting places would, would never become a holy means to communicate with God. And God's creatures would live in vain. Romans 8 verse 1 even summarizes a life without sacrifices as condemnation. And then highlights how, how God was gracious to provide us a way to come into his presence. So imagine with me then, if you were separated from a person that you, you love dearly, a parent maybe, or a husband or a wife, and you're separated with them because you hurt them, but even after you repented and wanted to see them, you could only communicate with them a little bit, like with voice messages here, notes here and there. And now imagine that one day you, you found a little booklet that gave instructions about a new kind of communication transporter device that would collect information from the, the users until it eventually became capable of transporting your body to be with your loved one's home. I was just talking to a young member of the congregation who really likes Star Wars. I think this is something like you can imagine in Star Trek, the, the transporter. Imagine this device became available and you saw the instruction manual. And I'm sure that, sure that such an instruction manual would, would catch your attention. And so you would grab it off the shelf, and hoping fervently that such a machine would exist. And I'm sure that you would be even more excited if you found that it was your parent or, or your loved one who you were seeking to be with who invented the technology for the sole purpose of giving you an opportunity to, to be with them and to have contact with them. You see, when God reaches down to bring us closer to him, we praise him for his grace. And we see this already in the revelation about the sacrifices. And so we find this instruction manual. Well, Leviticus 1 to 7 can be compared to those first pages in the instruction manual. And there's a little diagram, and it lists all the different parts. The parts page. Make sure everything here is in the package each of the five Old Testament sacrifices reveal one of the, the steps that are necessary to transform the sinner 
into living, active members of God's covenant and congregation with continual access to the Father in heaven. And then after the parts list is presented, you, you turn the page, the following pages of the manual, they, they walk you through the steps. And we saw an example of this in Leviticus 8. Step 1, Leviticus 8 verse 14. Atonement for sins is necessary through the sin and or the guilt offering, which must be offered in humility, repentance, and remorse for guilt. Once the barrier of sin has been removed, you can move to step two. The forgiven sinner must dedicate his whole life to the Lord, which is like a burnt offering, ensuring that their daily bread is a grain offering dedicated to God first of all. And then once people are forgiven, people are completely consecrated to God, they can move to step three, receiving God and their neighbor into their lives and their homes with a celebratory peace offering. Once innocence, righteousness, and peace have been obtained with God, you will find that he is near you. You are enjoying fellowship with him as it was in paradise, in a relationship that cannot be broken. And so you read the beautiful promises, you read the, the beautiful description, the way that God opened up, and, and you, you can see the logic. You can see the logic behind the instructions. It seems simple enough. However, when you look to yourselves, you, we quickly see that we cannot do what is required to make it all work and then to keep it up for all eternity. It would be like a person who finds the instruction manual and then reads it and finds out there is no one on earth who could activate your device. No one who could be that perfect friend that you needed to be to keep the lines of communication open forever. And so God's instructions about the sacrifices, they gave hope by showing that there is fuller fellowship with God that is possible. But they also gave the people a desire for someone who could perfectly do this. They needed a perfectly just and righteous man who was at the same time true God in order to activate this means of communication promised in the instructions of the sacrifices. But when you see instruction manual for the new communicator transporter device, to see in the instruction manual just it's like reading the Old Testament, right? When you see that instruction manual, you know that the, the device has been made. You know that it's possible to enjoy all that is promised in the manual. It's, it's far away from you, but you know it's possible. And in the same way that the pictures and the first versions of the communicator transporter device are an announcement that victory has been achieved, so also Romans 8 verse 3 announces, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his Son. 
Jesus Christ is the reality that was foreshadowed in the Old Testament promises in the sacrifices. And just as the opportunity to finally see the, the new invention that was pointed to the, in, 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 the, in the manual, just like seeing that, that invention, so seeing Christ, we see how he fulfilled everything, every step. We see what the sacrifices were truly saying. The gospel that the Lord announces is that Jesus Christ did what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. Before Jesus came, no one could earn their way into heaven by their righteousness. The blood of bulls and goats, says Hebrews, was not sufficient to satisfy God's justice for, for all eternity. It was a, a temporary solution that was given in anticipation of the blood of the Son of God. But when our Lord Jesus came, he was the high priest who fulfilled the task that was given to Aaron and his sons in Leviticus 8. He was the one who would, who would bring the people into that communion. And he presented himself as a sacrifice rather than lay his hands on the animal. And so by his death, he obtained the reality of all that God had promised through the sacrifices. Since he was the perfect high priest and he offered up the perfect sacrifice, he was the only one who was able to fulfill every single promise of the Old Testament sacrifices. He is the one who opens the way so that we might communicate with the Father in all peace. And Jesus had to do what no one before him had ever done before. In order to gain peace with our substitute, Jesus had to fulfill the burnt offering and the grain offering before he offered his own innocent life as a sacrifice to God on the cross. And Romans 8 verse 3 points to this when it says that God sent his own son in the likeness of human flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. God sent his son in the likeness of human flesh so that he was 100% human, but since he was Without sin, he was not like all the rest of human flesh after the fall into sin. This perfect innocence, this righteousness, this tested faith was what made him the, the perfect substitute for everyone. He did not sin for himself, not even once. He was the, the only one who, who could be a, a sacrifice that, that had no was innocent. But though he was innocent, he also came for sin. We read he became sin. And we read in the Gospels that he touched the diseased. He took their sins. He took their guilt upon himself. He prepared himself as a mediator and a high priest to take the sinner's place. And so Romans 4 verse 25 says, he was delivered up. 
for our trespasses and then raised again for our justification in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. He showed us that really that problem in the long distance relationship was not with God in heaven, but the problem of the distance was because of, of us here on earth who, who were living in the hardness in rebellion. And he came and he, he took that hardness of heart and he took those sins and he took that guilt and he placed it on his own shoulder and he hung it on a cross. And so he put the new reality into effect. If we go back to the analogy, the work of, that our Lord Jesus did would be comparable to the representative of that communicator transporter devices company. The representative who, who comes with the, with the device and he shows you how to activate, what, how to do it. And so he, he walks you through what needs to be done. And our Lord Jesus did this by, by doing it all for us. And we can know that it is all done for us because it is recorded that way in the Gospels. And in the same way that you only need to activate and set up your phone once at the beginning, also Jesus worked to, to open the way to the Father by becoming the way to the Father was a unique work. The promise of the gospel is that all the hard work is done. We don't need to try and figure out if, if our Father in heaven still loves us. And if he does, how to get into contact with him. We don't need to, to go through the steps to earn our way to a relationship with God. He came to us. He opened the door for us. He brought us back to himself through the covenant relationship in his son, Jesus Christ. You could say he reached down and said, here, take this and talk to me. And I give you unlimited calling. Romans 8 verse 4 explains that God sent his son to condemn sin in the flesh for our benefit. He did it all for us, for you. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Jesus Christ made it possible for you to please God. Romans 8 verse 8. And in this way he brings us to the goal that God had promised through the sacrifices. To use the analogy we can say that that specialized communication device that the instructor has activated for us by doing the steps for us. He has given that into our hands as a gift. You can call upon the Lord without any limitations. The sin that we have committed, which offended our Heavenly Father, it no longer stands as a barrier between us. The distance between the Holy Creator and all His creatures, it's, it's been bridged through the work of our perfect mediator. God has come to us in His only Son 
to open the way into his presence once and for all. And he wants you to walk in that. Romans 8, verses 9 to 11, announces the result of Christ's work, which makes us righteous. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Christ is in you. The Spirit is life. We see that Romans 8 includes a condition in those verses, verses 9 to 11. In order to be in this living relationship with God, Christ has to be in you, and His Spirit then will dwell in you. The promised Holy Spirit is given to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. And so the call is clear. Believe in Jesus Christ. See Him as the mediator who has opened up the way to eternal glory, the presence of the Father and you will receive the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Go back to the analogy. We could say that as a first-time user, it's necessary to sign in at the beginning. In the order of the, the sacrifices in the Old Testament, they teach us what this sign-in looks like. It first involves humbling yourselves before God, repenting of your sins, turning to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all our sins. That's like the sin and the guilt offerings first. And the next step of the sign-in is to walk according to the Spirit as you're guided by His Word to glorify God in every part of your life. That's like the burnt and the grain offerings. And when we believe in Jesus Christ, God promises that He will dwell in us by His Holy Spirit. God dwelling in us so that we might set our minds on the things of the Spirit where there is life and peace. That's why also the Apostle talks about those who grieve the Holy Spirit. When God dwells in you and you think about the great things, but yet you decide to, to focus on the things of this earth and become connected to them. Walk in the Spirit, says the Lord. You have the Spirit because of the righteousness of Christ. He's there leading you in communion with the Father. And then the final step of the sign-in is to enjoy. To enjoy the relationship, to use the communication device, if we could use the analogy. We're walking through these steps not to earn something, not as if it's a burden, but to be brought into the freedom, the joy. See, once our parents have signed us in or we have signed in the first time, we can live each day. The long-distance relationship with our, with our loved one right beside us, comforting us, encouraging us. We can speak to him in prayer. We can hear his word in the Bible. We have unlimited access to God. We may call upon Him without ceasing. And all of this in the context of peace. All that the sacrifices were pointing to is peace with God. No fear. You can see that also in our worship services. How do we begin, right? We begin with the declaration of peace. 
And then like good sons and like good daughters and in a close relationship with their father, we confess our sins. We tell our father how we have offended him. We confess our sins as we hear the law. We recognize that, but we do that in the, in the context of peace. We do that because he reaches down to us and has already given us the forgiveness of sins. And we celebrate the gospel together in the context of peace. And we give our offerings in the context of peace that Christ has obtained for us. We sing psalms about the justice of God and his mercy in the context of peace. And then finally, Romans 8, verse 11, promises that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That promise that God and you live in this close relationship, the promises that will continue to grow stronger. If we use the analogy one last time, we could say that the day will come when even that communication transporter device will no longer be necessary for we will see our Father face to face will be in his embrace. In Christ, we will move from having God's Spirit dwelling within us to standing before the throne of God, surrounded by all God's people of all times and places as we worship the Lamb who was slain and celebrate eternal life in His presence. We can experience the reality promised in all of the sacrifices fulfilled in Christ forgiveness of all our sins, a life of worship, an eternal peace with God and our neighbor. Amen.